Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I am joined by Andrew Heffernan, who is a Los Angeles-based fitness trainer, author, and athlete. Since 2003, he's trained everyone from actors and high-level athletes to business professionals and Hollywood luminaries. His balanced approach prioritizes helping people feel their best as they pursue higher levels of strength, performance, and body composition. In 2013, he was certified in the Feldenkrais Method, a powerful tool for improving recovery, relieving stress and pain, and improving performance. He's written or co-authored five books on fitness, including The Exercise Cure, Seven Minute Workouts, and Fat Loss Over 40, which is forthcoming, as well as hundreds of articles on fitness for outlets like Men's Health, Experience Life, Onit.com, and OpenFit.com, three of which have won major awards. A lifelong athlete, Andrew has competed as a triathlete and obstacle course racer and recently placed fourth in his age bracket at the DEKA World Championships. So Andrew, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. It's great to be here. So you clearly come from a very active background. This is what you do for a living. I'm sure you do it for your own health as well. And, um, you know, as we talk about physical fitness and how important that is in terms of managing our stress and avoiding burnout, I'm really going to be listening for any sort of parallels because I know that there's a lot of these mindset things that are probably true both in the physical and in the mental realm when it comes to our work and the way that we are pursuing our goals, which sometimes, you know, when we're thinking about things in a, an extreme way, then we can end up burning out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we could, we, there's any number of places we could start with this, but um, I think it's important to remember as we sort of start with a wide view is that stress is neither good nor bad, right? We need a certain amount of it, yeah? And, and from the physical perspective, you only need to look at like people who spend time in zero gravity, right? People who go up and, and spend time in the uh, International Space Station for longer than a few days, they come back and they are a hot mess, right? Their body, their, their muscles have atrophied, they often get bone loss, 
uh, you, we need the stress of just gravity walking around in order for our bodies to function properly, right? And uh, you also, in a parallel way, you also need a certain amount of stress to keep your imagination active, to keep your, your intellect active, keep your emotions active, right? Um, you know, you don't want to just sit around in an empty room, you know, eating bonbons all day. Uh, that actually becomes a form of stress, hy uh, hypo stress, too little stress, right? As opposed to hyper stresses, which is most people, what my, most people think of when they think of stress. So when we're talking about exercise, we need to strike somewhere of a balance between zero gravity, right? No stress. And then, uh, you know, every single day running, you know, a, a marathon or triathlon or something like that. There's some Goldilocks zone in there for all of us um, where we're going to be gradually over time improving our fitness and getting better, feeling better, getting more resilient and getting all those wonderful benefits of exercise that we always hear about so much, right? Too little of it. And uh, we, when the body starts to break down, we get tight in certain places uh, where our blood sugar goes up. We move toward uh, a more diabetic state. The cardiovascular system uh, starts to deteriorate, muscles atrophy, stuff like that. That's, that's too little, too much. You actually get kind of similar stuff, right? The, the, you're, you're just breaking down the muscles too often. So the muscles don't have a chance to recover from those workouts. So you have too much stress on, on, the, on the joints. You then have degradation of the joints. You have pain. You have uh, again, to tightness in the body. So really on both ends, you have very similar kind of results, whether you're hyper-stressed or hypo-stressed. So again, my job as a trainer is to see if I can find that, uh, that little zone in there that's right for everybody. Um, and typically, uh, as we were saying before we started, that people tend to fall, go too far in one direction or the other. Either they say, I'm too busy, I don't have enough time to exercise. And so they spend most of their time seated at a, at a, at a desk and, you know, getting the, the um, reaping the, the unfortunate benefit or, or, or uh, consequences of that, or they're too hard charging to go to the gym all the time. And they say, all right, I'm going to not only be an alpha achiever at work, I'm also going to be an alpha achiever at the CrossFit gym or at the SoulCycle mm -hmm. gym or even at yoga. You know, I'm going to go do power yoga. You know, I, I always joke that. In America, there's no form, there's no low intensity form of exercise. We can't toss the form power in front of and, and make it super intense, right? So um, power yoga, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, so, so, so the, the hard charges tend to do too much, right? And so we need to just kind of bring both groups into something like balance, right? That's yeah. And, and it's, first of all, there's so many things I want to say here. Um sure. What really struck me when you first started sharing this is this idea of zero gravity. Uh -huh. like we don't actually think of that, of gravity as a stressor. Sure. Right? It's just part of life. Like, we're just like, yeah, I wake up, I am on my bed, and then I get up and I'm walking on the floor. Like, it's not something that we think, oh, my God, it's so stressful. But, right. but to your point when we don't have that minimal amount of stress on our bodies, then we really get into trouble. And then of course we can take it to the next level from there and say, okay, well, gravity is like the bare minimum. And then what's the next level. And that's just like any sort of movement. And like, when you're talking about people who are sitting at their desks for long periods of time and they're not moving their bodies, they're going to have more muscle stiffness. They're going to be sore. You're going to have less range of motion. They're going to have more pain. Right. Yeah. And so that can be a distraction from your work. Yeah, for sure. 
And then yeah. as we go, you know, further towards like that center point that you're talking about, we're we're kind of getting to a, a more balanced place. And then on the other side of that spectrum, we have the people who are overdoing it. And they're right. saying like, yeah, I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to do the triathlon and the Ironman. Yeah. And like, I'm going to do one every weekend. And it's a little right. much. Oh, yeah. It can be a lot much. Yeah, definitely. A lot much. And, you know, there's there's... There's this myth that this this pervasive idea that um, you know, the body. <laughs> this was described to me once, and I thought was really good. That we are squishy organic organisms, right? For some reason, the fitness industry we tend to say, "Oh, the body is a machine. You know, make your machine better. You know, tighter and faster, and all this stuff. You know, tune it up." Um, and we use all these metaphors to suggest that the body is again like a computer or something that is. Uh, you know, it's mechanical. And in fact, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a soft little animal. Yeah. And we just, we, we, we want to treat it with just the right amount of, uh, of stress. And there's this idea that, um, you know, going with this idea that the, the you know, this misguided idea that the body is, is like a machine. There's this idea that sort of what you put in is what you get out. Right. So that if I lift 10 pounds today, I can lift 20 pounds the next day. And you're just going to proceed on this linear trajectory throughout your whole kind of fitness life. It doesn't happen that way, right? So you can do that. I mean, I'm training my son now and he's 14 years old. So he's on this great trajectory. You know, I can give him, you know, 50 pounds a day and 55, 55 pounds the next day and he gets better and better over time. Eventually, like the rest of us, he's going to hit that wall and he's going to go, oh, I'm, he's going to level off, right? And then you have to find some new and different stimulus to introduce into the body, right? So... Uh, th this idea that, and, and this pervades into our general uh, approach to fitness, which is like, oh, if I work out twice a week and I'm getting good results, then if I work out five times a week, it'll be even better. And it'll be even better for work out twice a day, seven days a week, right? So again, there's this idea of linear progress to a point and then either it levels off or actually crashes, right? So, so again, it comes back to that kind of optimal um, uh, that kind of optimal thing. And it's, it's, uh, it, it, it again, just underscores the idea that the body is not a, it's not a one-to-one -one kind of thing. You need to, you need to coax it. People do this with fat loss as well. I mean, we're obsessed with getting lean and losing fat, right? So we think that, oh, I, uh, if I, if I cut my calories by 300 calories a day, like a certain amount of progress. So let's just cut it to 200 calories a day and starve. Right? Let's go crazy. Let's go crazy, right? Let's work out seven hours. This, is, this was the whole fallacy of the show, The Biggest Loser. And if you ever watched that, but there was a follow-up study of The Biggest Loser and every single one, uh, every single winner of The Biggest Loser, six months later had regained all their weight and more, right? So they'd done permanent damage to their metabolism. So this is, this is just further evidence of this, this absolute imperative uh, necessity of finding that right level that's that's good for you and it's going to change depending on what's going on with you any you know dur during at any time during your life so like if you're an accountant like i'm working with an accountant as a as a as a, as a uh, client you know i know that their most stressful time of the year is going to be like right around april 15th right yeah. so i would certainly not give that person a really intense block of uh, of workouts, you know, from say mid-February to late April, I would say that's going to be your kind of recovery time. We're going to dial things back to the minimum effective dose. 
maybe just do a couple workouts a week, a little bit of walking, just get yourself moving, some mobility stuff. And then come the end of April, when you're kind of out of that, that intense work period, then we can kind of look at it and go, all right, well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And then think about building toward a goal that maybe peaks in, you know, December or January, something like that. You know what I mean? So it's important. It's really important to look at the big picture of your life and not assume that how you are in the summertime is going to be how you are in the wintertime or the spring or the fall. You just, you need to do, whether you're working with a trainer or not, you need to figure out a way to listen to your body, listen to those signals and, um, and adjust accordingly so that that, so that that training supports your life. And this is the thing we lose track of all the time that training Right, you're you got your optimal, your your big goals in life, whatever they are. You want to raise a family. You want to you want to you know make it to ninety. You know, disease free. You want to um, right. have a really healthy, happy living. You want to have a really fulfilling career. All these things, whatever it is, that training and that exercise should support it. Right? It should it should buoy it up. It shouldn't be the thing that pulls the rug out underneath. And a lot of times, we get so single minded on oh, I got to meet my you know, making your CrossFit workout another stressor, another thing that's, that's that you sort of have to check off every single day, that we lose track of that very simple idea that working out should make the rest of your life better. It should make it worse, right? So keeping that on that trajectory requires just a constant check-in. How am I doing today? Am I, am, I, am I more flexible? Do I feel better? Do I feel like I have more energy? Am I sleeping well? How am I interpersonal relationships? How's my... How's my anger level? You know what I mean? As you're walking around, are you, is you're you in a terrible mood all the time? And then how can you dial up or just change the, um, the, the exercise piece of your life to, um, to improve, you know? So many good nuggets in there. All right. I want to bring you yeah. back to something you said earlier, yeah. which is how, you know, you talked about your son and how he is somebody who can level up. Now, yes. As, as we all can to a point and then yeah. we hit a wall yeah. and then, and then we have to figure out another strategy. So right. for somebody who is listening to this now, who has maybe hit that wall, mm-hmm. first of all, uh, if you could define for us, how do we know that we've hit the wall? Like, what does uh-huh. that feel like? What does it look like? How do we know? And secondly, once we've hit it, what do we do from there? Great question. Yeah. So how do you know, you know, hit the wall? Well, it, it depends on what you're doing, right? If you are a serious uh, gym goer, or you're, 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 you've got a performance goal, a long-term performance goal, then what you can do is you can very simply look at: Are you getting closer to those long-term performance goals? So, uh, you know, if you're someone who, and again, this is this is a small portion of the population, so I don't want to necessarily say this is everybody, but say you run five k's, right? And mm-hmm. last time you ran the five k, you did it in twenty-three minutes, right? And then you, then you did it in 21 minutes and then you did it in 20, 30, right? And then all of a sudden you ran one, it was 25 minutes or 28 minutes. Chances are you're, you're off, you're off track somehow, right? Uh, Right. So you can just track performance metrics. That's thing number one. But again, that's a small portion of the population. Not everyone, you know, keeps a workout journal or is insane like me and does that kind of thing. So, so in that case, it's, you know, look at look at some of those factors that I mentioned. So, how's your sleep? I mean, as I said, I mean, just you know, parenthetically, exercise is a stressor. It's another stressor, right? So, you've got the aggregate of all the stress in your life that's going to include your relationships, your career, what you're doing physically, your general health, 
um, you know, you name it. There's a lot of factors that are going to aggregate into that into that you know stress picture in your life, right? And if you are sleeping great, so so I would say that all the all those stressors are going to feed into things like your sleep, your mood, your appetite, um, you know, your weight. Uh, what else? Um, yeah, you're, yeah. I mean, you're 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 a PhD in this kind of thing, so I'm sure you understand all these factors, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. So, okay. So this is this is really important. So basically, what you're saying is the way that we know that we've hit that wall is either we're not improving yeah. or we're starting to decline. So if you're seeing like you're you're improving your results over time, and then you kind of stay at one point and it's staying the same or it's getting worse that mm-hmm. means you're at your wall and if that happens or when that happens rather then we need to find something else to focus on so what what are we doing then are we looking as you yeah. said at more specific goals that we have like or how to rather than uh, exercising faster or getting things done in in a short amount of time, am I now looking at uh, how long am I sleeping, the quality of my sleep, and focusing on that? Or what what would you recommend for people who are at that wall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say like yeah, the, the sleep piece, the mood piece, uh, th- those are again, those are those are um, those are metrics that you can look at. Am I just waking up nine times a night consistently? I mean, everyone has a crappy night's sleep now and then. Everyone has a you know bad day of eating now and then. If, sure. if you're looking at the general trend and you're like, wow, things are just kind of tanking right now, and uh, you know you can't it, you can't point to oh it's because I have this massive project where I'm going through divorce or you know something really difficult is happening with your kids or something like that. Uh, you can't point to that. Yeah, changing that, changing that exercise um, dial a little bit is a good idea. So what are some ways of doing that? Well, I mean, again, if you're someone who's, who's um, really dedicated to kind of one modality, like strength training or running or something like that, you know, cycling, then uh, let's say that your typical workout is that, let's talk about a cyclist. Your typical workout is you go out and you just, you, you do hills, you know, and you do that for an hour, right? So instead of doing hills, maybe what you do is you find a more a flat area to train, and maybe you do you just you just bring down the intensity significantly, right? So say those hills bring your heart rate up to you know 80, 85 percent of your maximum heart rate. Well, then you just do a nice, nice kind of easy flat, and and if you want to maintain something like the intensity or something like the you know overall. Uh, effect of that workout, maybe you go for a little bit longer. So you just just change a couple of the variables in the workout. If you're someone who lifts weights, say you've been doing you've been lifting weights and you've been doing the same amount, let's say you've been doing I don't know sets of eight, eight sets of eight reps. Drop the weight and do sets of fifteen, or increase the weight and do sets of five. Right. So you're just going to change a couple of those acute variables. Or if again, if you're if you're if you're into um, if you're into that strength stuff, say you've been working on the machines, well, go over to the dumbbells. Say you've been doing kettlebells, well, then go over to, uh, you know, I don't know, barbells or something like that. Just yeah. toggle that dial a little bit so it's not just constantly, you're not just constantly hammering the same, um, the same adaptations all the time. I mean, humans are, uh, and we just talked broadly about humans for a second, but <laughs> humans are, we're great at adapting, right? This is what we're so good at, yeah? And so we just constantly throw the same stimulus at the body all the time. There's no need to adapt. The body's like, we've seen this, right? 
you think of exercise as like akin to learning, right? I'm someone who plays the piano or something like that. And if I just, if I got introduced to piano and I learned three blind mice on day one, right? And if I played three blind mice every day for 10 years, I'm not going to get that much better at the piano. But if I do three blind mice, right? If I play three blind mice for a week, and then I play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star for a week, and then something else, then pretty soon in a couple of years, I'm playing Mozart and Brahms and whatever else, and I get pretty good at the piano, right? Yeah. So exercise is the same thing. You got to think of it not as just working from here down, but the whole body, the brain, the nervous system, the whole thing. So you want to introduce some of those new, new stimuli all the time. And then your body will get will get going again. Oh, this is new, and it'll change and adapt, and you get better. I love this paradox, this idea of you know exercise being a stressor, and how yeah. adding a stressor to your life can actually help reduce your stress. Yeah, no, we're yeah. Isn't that yeah. so interesting? Because we always think about. I mean, people are always saying like, "I'm already so tired. I have so much to do. Who's got time?" Right. I don't have the energy. So that's why I'm not exercising. That's why I'm not taking care of my health. And in fact, what we know is that when we're not doing those things, we actually feel worse. Right. So you're really doing yourself a favor by saying, even though I'm tired and I feel like I don't have the energy and I don't really want to go and do another thing, and I'd rather just sit on the couch and watch Netflix. I know that when I come out of the gym and I finish my workout, I will feel amazing. Yeah. That's why I'm going to go do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I always say, I always say, give yourself 10 minutes, right? There is this, there's this, like you said, there's this paradox in the, in the mind and the body about these things, right? On one hand, you know, we've got this um, predilection for self-preservation, right? So uh, on some level, on some deep evolutionary level, we don't want to move too much. We don't want to move unnecessarily because that burns resources, right? Calories. And so we are, we want to preserve those things, right? Because we want to pass on our genes, the next generation. And if we just burn through, uh, energy unnecessarily, then we're less likely to have that energy. I mean, if you understand why this would be evolutionarily kind of beneficial to insist moving unnecessarily, but then we have the other side of things, which we've all experienced, which is once you get moving, right? Once you spend expend a little bit of energy, then it tends to be self-perpetuating. So there's some kind of reward center in the brain that goes, oh, whatever this thing is must be important, right? So if you think back to our Paleolithic ancestors, there must be some internal reward. Oh, you must be chasing down an elk to kill it so that you could drag it home and feed it to the tribes so we all survive, right? So then you get that little internal reward that goes, oh, keep doing this, right? There's a little dopamine, all these level, lovely little pleasure, pleasure things get lit up. So in order to reach that point, you need to get past that initial impulse to not move, which is like, oh, this is pleasurable to sit and watch Netflix on the couch, right? You need to get over that. And that is the willpower. That's just the one little drop of willpower. And I say, give yourself 10 minutes, right? Maybe it's walk around the block. Maybe it's do your favorite yoga, uh, you know, flow. Maybe it's get on your bike. Maybe it's lift some weights, whatever it is. Just move a little bit. At the end of 10 minutes, I think that if you don't go, all right, I'm up for 20 or 30 or an hour, whatever it is, if if your body doesn't start shooting off those little reward centers, then I think you're probably at a point when you should take the break. Right. Mm. Right. You should go, you know what? 
too much, right? Maybe maybe today is not the day, yeah? But usually it is. Usually you'll get that hit that 10 minute mark and you go, I, I, I'm up for more, you know? So that's, that's usually what I say. Give yourself that 10 minutes and uh, see what happens. That's a really good tip. So for people who are listening to this, you know, oftentimes we think about how much we have going on and we want, we all feel bad when we don't exercise because we know this is the thing that's really good for us. And we're always saying, yeah, if I had the time, I would do it. And I'm so busy. We have all these stories that we tell. And I love this idea of just test it out. Just give yourself that 10 minutes to dabble in a little bit of movement. See how you feel. and sometimes, you know, you do that and then you're like, I could do another 10, right? right? Like, and so we stop lying to ourselves that we can't do it and that it's not possible to do it. And all of a sudden we're in it and we want to do it. And so that's such a nice little way of looking at it instead of this all or nothing, like I either exercise all the time and I've got this whole thing down or I never exercise. I don't have time for it to just give yourself a little taster and then see where that takes you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it tends to work. It tends to work. It tends to just get you over that little hump of resistance, uh, you know, into that flow and you start getting that, you know, just that feeling of, um, you know, the oxygenated blood moving through your brain. And we were talking about being, um, sedentary and it's not just, it doesn't just have physical effects, right? Being sedentary and just sitting for hours and hours at your computer, it sends this message to your body that you're not, you're not efficacious, right? You're not able to affect change in your life, right? Uh, the, the, the movement is only mental and, and maybe a little bit here, right? And if you can get yourself moving, you know, you remind yourself, oh, I am actually a person that can affect change. I can move through space, right? Very simply, just sending this positive message. I'm an embodied person. I have 625 muscles in my, in my body. I'm not just a brain walking around on a stick, right? Mm-hmm. And all that movement, I mean, we've, we've all experienced this, all that movement. You know, you hit the wall on some project you're doing, you're working it way, your computer, you go, ah, and finally you get away from it, you take a walk. You know, something pulls your kid, you know, you wind up playing with your kid or whatever it is, and you get up and you sit down, and you go, all that stuff that seemed insurmountable and impossible to, to, to confront, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got all these new ideas, right? right? And so that perceived stress, right, of whatever it is that's weighing on you, starts to alleviate just once you get your body moving, you send that message to your body. Look, I'm, I'm a person. I got all these, these joints and muscles. I can make choices. I can move. And you go, Oh, okay. I'm good. Um, so it's another one. It's so true. I remember when I be pre COVID, I had a, uh-huh. an office that I worked out of and I would park my car And then I would walk to the office and it would be maybe like a five minute walk. It wasn't very far, but I was at this point where I really wanted to create these videos for my YouTube channel, or I'd want to blog about something. And so as I would do that really short walk, just from my car, all of a sudden an idea would pop up and I'd be like, that's what I need to write about. Right. So I think what you're saying is um, that when we're, really stationary and we're trying to just like pound through the work it's not only stressful for our mind to focus for those long bouts of time but also it's really hard on our bodies and that we can sometimes hit that wall more quickly because 
there isn't that movement. And when we yeah. incorporate more of those breaks where we're moving our bodies, we have a little break in the action and it allows our brain to get into that creative zone and come up with creative solutions that we wouldn't have come up with if we're just kind of sitting there and trying to figure this out. This is kind of like the classic situation that you hear about with songwriters where mm. when they have that contract with the album company, right? The record company, um, they're like, no, we need an album like tomorrow. And so right. they have to like sit in the studio and like figure things out and write it out. And they're like, but that's not how I work. Like I need to right. just be inspired and it'll come to me. And I wake up in the middle of the night with an idea. And so it's interesting because like we have kind of like how things would work ideally, you know, mm -hmm. if we had the time, we had the space and then how society kind of conditions us to work. And we have to be able to kind of navigate the two and figure out how to make it work, you know, mm -hmm. to be successful and to check all the boxes, but also to stay healthy and to take care of ourselves in that process. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I was training a, uh, uh, a TV writer uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, I can't remember. He, he might have been might have been his idea. I don't want to take this to take credit for this. But he was he was a, you know sort of head of a a room of writers who sort of work in situations the, the circumstances you're describing. That is, sit your butt down in the chair and say smart things. <laughs> you know, do smart things. Right? It's like oh my god, all this money riding on it, massive time constraint. Right? And so at least once a week he would start doing these meetings where he would he and his team would walk around right so they would walk around not the room but they would actually go out on the studio and, and do their brainstorming sessions right and um sometimes it's impractical right you maybe sometimes need to write stuff down right but sure. i always think it's way more beneficial i mean just like in your walk to the office right that five minute walk to the office that's the time when you kind of your body feels and your mind feels like there's space and there's time and there's breath right with the second you assume this curled in position which ironically this position sitting at a desk you're in what's what Moshe Feldenkrais called the the, the, the body pattern of anxiety because we're yes. curled up basically in a fetal position right that's right so we're protecting all our internal organs we're curled up we're, we're rounded over and that immediately sends this really strong message this like deeply embedded message that we're under stress right now, right? Mm -hmm. So stand up desk, walking around, having stressful, difficult phone conversations while you're strolling around your neighborhood on the phone, way better than sitting down in that I'm stressed position and uh, trying to duke it out like that. You know what I mean? And and I just wanna say that it's not always possible to do that. Sure. So let's say yeah. you, you're called into a meeting and mm -hmm. you know you're all you're there with your whole company and you're sitting there at this boardroom and it is stressful for whatever reason yeah then you take your walk afterwards yeah and you uh, the other thing you can do just very simply is just now and then again you don't have to be a sort of zen master right but now and then you know the temperature's rising in the room right notice what you're doing physically you know are you the person who's like this Right. Curled over, arms crossed, you know, looking up, uh, out under your brows. Or are you able to sit up a little bit, open your chest, you know, have your shoulders back. You don't have to look like a military jerk. Right. But just be a little more open. Right. Then you're going to look like the person in the room that and, and drop your breath. Right. So instead of breathing up here, just drop it down. Let the breath come in through low abdomen. Right. 
Then you're going to look like the person in the room that's, that's, that's ready, that's open, right? The temperature's rising. Have your temperature drop a little bit, right? Yeah. List, you know, be conscious of how your breath, how your voice sounds, right? So if your voice is going to go up like this, then you're just contributing, right? But can you maybe drop it? Can you drop, uh, you know, drop your breath into your abdomen a little bit? You're going to contribute to bringing the temperature down and making that meeting more productive just by just by having a better posture than everybody else. And that's true whether it's at work or at home with your kids. You For need sure. to be, you know, you're going to have angry customers. You need to be able to manage your breath in order to really bring the temperature down around the, you know, the people around you, because, yeah. you know, yeah. they're going to, and it's so interesting. Um, I've noticed when, even when you're really calm and you're dealing with somebody who's angry, mm-hmm. they always perceive you, even though you're the calm one, they perceive you as shouting at them. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> yes, for sure. She yelled at me. Yes. There's so much projection that happens. Usually. So you know, if yeah. people accuse you of that and you know that you're just like the cool cucumber in the room, then don't take it personally and don't be defensive. Just be like, right. you know, everything's okay. Like, let's yeah. just, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. Contain, so, be the container. Yeah. 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 That doesn't mean you're not going to experience emotions. Doesn't mean you're not going to experience, experience stress. It's just, you're not going to let yourself get into that spiral where, okay, my body feels stressed. So I'm going to, I'm going to create a feeling of stress in my body, but I have my shoulders come up and find it right. And I'm just going to go into that spiral more and more. Right. You can break that cycle with a little bit of um, a little bit of awareness. It was just parenthetically, there's this fantastic movie called Buck and Buck is by this Buck is about this horse trainer. And he, uh, it was very interesting. He himself had this real, uh, unfortunate history of being abused by his father when he was a kid Mm. and he became the most compassionate horse trainer ever so usual way of 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 breaking horses even that term is itself uh, upsetting what is to you know the horse misbehaves and you hit it right horse misbehaves and you hit it eventually the horse gets broken it's like well okay i'm I'm gonna get punished right over this this guy approached in a totally different way right he was like you know a lot of ways he's like you the horse and i are the same we want the same thing and so when he leads a horse around it's not by pulling on the rope right and the, and the horse resisting and then coming along he could just turn his wrist just a little bit and the horse would just come right along right and the and the way he was around the horses you know talk about just relaxed centered breath dropped shoulders down easy voice i mean we're not that much different from we're pack animals just like horses right so if you see someone like a leader who's like that right Immediately, you're going to go, I trust that person, right? You see the person who got the shoulders up and the voice up and the breathing up in the clavicular area, you go, I don't know. Maybe there's someone else around here who's, who's exactly. got, got on the ball, you know what I mean? But totally. um, yeah, so so we do respond in a very visceral, animal way to that uh, sense of alignment and ease um, in, in, in other people. Well, listen, Andrew, you have shared so many incredible nuggets with us today. Uh, uh, that I'm I'm very appreciative. And I think the takeaway message, if we were going to wrap it up, is that we actually do need stress to function physically, emotionally, cognitively. So stress is not the enemy. It's really about how to incorporate more exercise, but not too much in order mm-hmm. to get rid of some of that tension in our body and to avoid burnout. And that, you know, we have to constantly 
check in, tune in, figure out how to tweak things as we go, rather than just have like a set plan of what we're doing and sticking with it all the time. I think that's right on. Yeah. The body is a, you know, don't forget your body. It is a great um, tuning fork, a great instrument to find that balance, right? When you're feeling burned out, right? Don't forget it. Don't go, oh, I just have to do more of the head work, right? Yeah. Find, the, find those ways to recenter, right? Uh, you know, through an introdu- the introduction of some of that physical um, stress. And then you'll find your center balance a lot more easily and more quickly than you would if you just kind of try to muscle through. Absolutely. So, Andrew, if somebody's listening to this and they happen to be based in LA and maybe they want to train with you, mm-hmm. where should they go to learn more? Yeah, so uh, you can go to my website, Andrew Heffernan. That's H-E-F-F-E-R-N-A-N, andrewheffernan.com. Uh, you can straight up email me if you want. I'll put that out there. It's my name again, andrewheffernan at AOL.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Andrew Heffernan Fitness. Um, and so any of those, any of those modalities will work or those, those uh, contexts will work. But I also say that I offer a four-day-a-week uh, movement class that I offer on Zoom. Right. So that's worldwide. I have people mm. in Europe doing it. I have people in Australia doing it. So, uh, yeah. So if you're if you're interested in that, and you're not in L.A., you can you can reach me that way. Um, and there's uh, also available is some I mean, you didn't talk about the film price method very much. But if you were you were stressed out and you have 45 minutes, 30 minutes to do a little bit of movement. That is one of the most powerful modalities to get you kind of out of that uh, stressed out state. And that's available on my on my Patreon page, and we can talk more about that if you reach out. So there's some ways of getting in touch, and I'd love to, uh, to hear from you. And so if somebody's interested in that um, that class that you said you do on Zoom, is that uh-huh. on your website, or is there a separate thing that they should go to? Yeah, I, I'll send you the information. They can, I mean, again, this, this is getting information overload, but if they want to go to Patreon, my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Andrew Heffernan Fitness, they can find that information out. But again, I would just say, if you're just interested in me and what I'm doing, hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on my email, and I'll, I'll help you out. Beautiful. Well, it's been just absolutely a delight to have you on the show. So thank you so much again for being here and sharing all of your expertise. It's always great to have another kind of uh, area that we can explore and how that allows us to live our best lives. So this was really great. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you're a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? And regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. Finally, if you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.